Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 280th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the Professor Emeritus, Matt Perkins. And a snag and go across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, guys? Uh, Listen to, uh, to last week's episode. Wanted to kind of see what it was uh, before I got there. It turned out really, really good. I was, uh, I was impressed by uh, the in-depth conversation about Iowa versus Wisconsin. So, um, mm-hmm. But I'm ready to get after it here. Uh, I'm on time now. I'm with you guys the whole way, so let's get after it. We appreciate that. We can't get started, though, without the third amigo in the second city, a man who's not as quite as hands-on as Jimmy Lake. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Oh, man, that guy's a dunce. Can he just be fired, please? That guy's gone. He's absolutely gone. If you didn't see it, uh, Washington head coach Jimmy Lake is already in a little bit of trouble because, well, his team is terrible this year. And then he decided to... Uh, smack one of his players on the sideline upside the head and is suspended without pay for their next game. Hmm. Elsewhere in the Pac-12, this week's game between USC and Cal is also postponed because Cal can't contain their, contain their COVID outbreak or, they just, or they've tucked their tails between their legs because <laughs> they lost to Arizona well, because of that COVID outbreak. Pac-12 after dark, what can you say? As most of you guys know, we're presented by BetOnline.ag, and it's better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's bleav five zero to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Josh, before we get started, I understand you have a trivia question for us. I do. So uh, San Antonio this year, they've had a amazing start to the season. Meep, meep. Uh, they, they've, been our, they've been our burying the lead team, although now they're in the college football playoff polls. So I don't know if they can hold that honorific for too much longer. We might need to find another team. But uh, with them being ranked this year, they join the uh, illustrious brotherhood of teams that have been ranked at least once in their program history. So there are, according to the good people over at Winsipedia, 18 teams that uh, have never appeared in an any poll. Any uh, poll whatsoever. Any poll. Now, I'm going to spot you Idaho. Uh, Winsipedia keeps them around oh, because... Idaho. Yeah, because uh, they they have uh, part of their history in the highest level of football, or as it's known today, the FBS. Um, So we'll cross off Idaho, and that that means that there's 17 teams. Coach, you want to alternate? Yeah, let's alternate. All right, you want to go first or second? I'll go second. 
All right. Charlotte. Ding. There's one. Ooh. Mm. Uh, that was a positive ding. Not yeah, a. I figured that. Not a. <laughs> ding. I suppose a ding. Uh, Georgia Southern. That's two for two. All right. Good work, coach. Uh, yeah. James Madison. Uh, I don't know why I, well, I don't know why I just said James Madison. I was thinking I meant Old Dominion, but I said James Madison, but I meant uh, Old Dominion. Uh, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Old Dominion is on this list. Obviously, James Madison not in FBS. Yeah, no, yet. I don't know why I just said that. I was wrong school. Wrong, forgive me. Well, I mean, they're both from Virginia. They're yeah, both. That's what I was thinking. They're both a little bit uh, full of themselves with their names. James Madison University. Old, Old Dominion. Dominion. Yeah, Old Dominion. All right, coach, you're up. <laughs> three for right. three. Three for three. Appalachian State. No, Appalachian State uh, will not count. They are actually tied for 97th. They've been in the poll 10 weeks in their program's history. Well, coach mentioned Georgia Southern. He didn't mention Georgia State. There we go. There's another one. Georgia State has not ever been ranked. Georgia State's never been ranked. Neither, I can't say coastal. Um, neither has Texas State. Ooh, good one. Texas State, San Marcos, the Bobcats. That's correct. They've never been ranked. Good pull, coach. Um, see, some of these teams that are horrible now, like they were around. They've been around for so long. Like a Rice, you have to figure Rice at some point was ranked like one time. So. Well, right, Rice more than once. They're they're 69th yeah. in the country, 70 weeks in the poll. They're actually tied with Iowa State. So I am going to go with Florida Atlantic University. I'm sorry, no, Florida International University. Florida International is correct. Sorry, I was thinking, yeah, because I think Kiff had FAU ranked at some point. So so one strike for uh, for Coach, still none for Matt. Matt, you got to get on your horse on these strikes <laughs> here. Um, UNLV. Yeah, they've they've been ranked in basketball, but not in football. Oh, good call, coach. <laughs> good call. Um, they won the whole shebang, obviously, in basketball. Mm-hmm. Let's go with Alabama State. Alabama State is not a school. I'm sorry. What South Alabama is what I was thinking. I just, Alabama I, State is a school, but Alabama State is a school. But it's not, I'm thinking South Alabama. Not an FBS. I meant the Jaguars. I don't know. Like I've now. I've, I'm at some point. Does he get a strike for this? I deserve a strike right now. Yes, South Alabama is what I meant. Well, South Alabama is correct. <laughs> oh boy. Matt just says incorrect schools to see my reaction, <laughs> and then and then quickly pivots. He's like, "Oh no, I meant." Uh, <laughs> Lord have mercy. All right, um, uh, Marquette. No, I meant. <laughs> Jeez, see, I can do that too. Um, <laughs> oh damn. Um, okay. Uh, uh, Boise State? No. Uh, no, what I meant to say was New Mexico State. Uh, New Mexico State. Yeah, New Mexico State. That's some bad news for you, Coach. What's that? 
They spent six weeks in the poll across their program's history. They're tied for 102nd. All right. My next guess, the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. That's a good one. That was the one I thought was the most obvious because they haven't been FBS for very long. And I don't believe they've had a winning record at this level of play. So UMass is correct. Two strikes for coach, uh, three close calls <laughs> for Matt. A couple check swings. Yeah. All right. You're up, coach. Oh, that's right. I'm up. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with the UTEP Miners. The UTEP Miners. They've had a tortured history. But they're tied for 105th with five weeks in the poll. So three strikes for Coach. Matt, what have they been freaking ranked? (laughs) I mean, they just only needed to appear in the polls one, you know, just hop in at 25th, hop back out, and it counts. That's true. Uh, Matt, you win this. Do you have any other schools that were? I'm going to rattle off a couple. Eastern Michigan. Yep, they're on the list. Um. Ball State? Uh, no. Ball State is 97th. They're tied with okay. App State and Western Michigan. Okay. 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 Um, Buffalo? Uh, UB. Uh, they actually have three weeks in the poll. Okay. Um, that's 109th, by the okay, way. Okay. So that's two strikes. I'm going to go one more. Um, the Mac's not a bad guess, by the way. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah the, the, but the Mac's tough, right? Because some of those teams like have been good at different points, and so well, well, there's be, one Mac team that's never been good. <laughs> well, I, that's why I said Eastern Michigan, but um, no, but even they've had. Um, uh, give me Middle Tennessee State. That's another correct one. Yep. Right. Um, Next, give me the Louisiana Monroe. Correct. Yep. Um, oh, God, I think this one might get me out. Troy. Uh, they will get you out. Troy is standing solid at 113th with one week oh, in the hole. Oh, okay. That gets me um, out. Not bad, though. Yeah. So the yeah, team. I knew, I knew Troy. I, I knew that one was. The, the team uh, you missed. They had to Marcus Ware. Yeah, the team you missed from the MAC that I also kind of thought was a little obvious was Akron, mm. um, Arkansas State. A lot I of figured nice... they had gotten in there like once at like twenty fourth or twenty fifth. Yeah, in, in, during the gear during the Blake Anderson era. Yeah, a lot a lot of good teams just never quite cracked the poll. Hmm. Um, FAU was actually also right. The oh okay, Kiff never got them in. I thought he got them in. But... Um, New Mexico State was a good guess. But New Mexico is the team that's never been ranked. Los Lobos. Um, a little bit of a surprising one just because they've won their conference a few times recently. But you got to remember the program was shut down at one point because UAB has a very tortured history. Uh, and then the rest of them you got. All right. Not bad, way. Coach. Yeah. Well, good, good work. 
Yeah, nice job. Good work. N- n- nice little way for us to start today. No quick slants today. None of our teams played any games <laughs> you know, of consequence. With, you, you don't want to talk about Iowa scoring three measly points in the second half. <laughs> the most interesting thing game. The most interesting thing that happened during that game was the twenty minutes that they didn't play football because the game was stopped because of some obscure protest. Yeah, the more disappointing thing was the uh, there were some real, real knucklehead Iowa fans next to us that uh, this guy basically was texting the whole game, and uh, the only time he would look up was when he was taking pulls of fireball. He was completely out of it, not paying any attention to the game. But the second there were protesters, he could start booing and chanting, let's go, Brandon. And then there was another Iowa fan booing, and when a Northwestern fan told them to just shut up and let the protest happen, he got all pissy and yelled back. He's like, I paid for these tickets. It's like, yeah, no shit, we all did. We all paid for the tickets. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, d- does that make you special? Congratulations. Like, um, I paid for there, Yeah. Yeah. Let's go, Brandon. No. Shut up! <laughs> I paid for the tickets. <laughs> but I paid for them tickets. Um, all right. Let's talk about some interesting things that happened over the weekend. Did you say let's? Uh, I said let's. Go. No. Let's <laughs> go to the Twin Cities where Illinois took down Minnesota on the road. Somehow Minnesota was ranked in the first CFP poll, which is absurd enough unto itself because yeah, where's ohio state's quality win coming from now because um <laughs> minnesota josh no uh, remind me they lost to uh, a little school called i believe was it bowling green yeah yeah it's a little too soon they went through the massacre recently so um yeah that was not good um for minnesota Their luck finally ran out. They've had so many running backs on IR. They have no passing game to begin with. Luck of the goofs. Brett Brett Bielema has now pulled off two of the biggest upsets of the year. Well, don't forget also that uh, if it wasn't for Mr. Brian Ferentz, the Minnesota Golden Gophers with Mike Sanford Jr. would have probably the worst offensive coordinator in the big 10 yep so uh go for fans uh i think a lot of them were kind of like iowa fans they were sort of expecting a a a boneheaded loss at some point and they got it once with bowling green they got it now with illinois so josh today who's the best team in the big 10 west Because last week at this time, yeah. I would have told you it's, it's Minnesota. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, going into that Illinois game, it was Minnesota. I thought they were the most complete team. Me too. They, they might not have had as good a defense as Iowa or Wisconsin, but I thought offensively. Uh, I thought they had the best offensive line out of the three yeah. schools. Um, I, I think now it's really clear that wisconsin is the team to beat again in the division i mean they put up 52 points against rutgers it's rutgers but they still put up 52 points seven touchdowns by seven different players um you know they had that 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 was interesting but um i mean brett bielema can coach we know brett bielema can coach we know he's a good motivator 
And I think that is interestingly contrasted with the fact that Nebraska, what, yesterday or today, announced that they are going to retain Scott Frost for at least another season. They restructured his deal. So, I mean, with that, I mean, I think you can make a pretty strong or a pretty decent case, at least, that, like, Brett Bielema is one of the two or three best coaches in the Big Ten West. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's just run through the the coaches super quick. Um, So we got Kirk Ferentz, Dina Coaches. Um, You know what? You know what you're getting with him. I don't don't think there's he's tied to say. You also get uh, Brian Ferentz with that. You have to factor that in. Yeah, Um, you have. Well, what do you? Where would you put Paul Christ, Matt? I mean, I'd probably put him right there. I mean, even without, even despite some of the offensive struggles we've seen this season, I mean, his his record at Wisconsin is still overall pretty outstanding. Yeah, um, you know, in yeah. I mean, I mean, they they look like they're going to finish the regular season nine and three at this point. I don't see them losing. Yeah. I definitely don't see them losing to Nebraska or Northwestern. No. I think the Minnesota game is going to be interesting because it's in Minnesota, but the Wisconsin defense is damn near impermeable right now yeah i mean so i mean people want to hate on on ferentz and paul christ but like they get their programs to bowl games every year like Mm -hmm. reliable without fail yeah um you have pat fitzgerald does a lot with a little yeah that's true two big 10 title game appearances i mean he's He's a damn good coach. Bielema, proven track record. I mean, he has three Big Ten titles. Yeah. And then... Jeff Brom. Yeah. He's, you know, he's under 500. Um, I don't know. I don't Spoiler know what to makers. make. With, yeah. Um, I, I think... I think he's a good coach. I don't know. You know, I mean... He's several years into his career and he's still under 500. I, I don't know if I would put him on the level of, um, I mean, in Ference's fourth year, we won the Big Ten. We're coach champions. Yeah. Purdue hasn't sniffed that in yeah. in Brahms' four years. So, I mean, I mean, at the bottom is definitely going to be Frost and Flack. Yeah, and honestly, I think Fleck is a better coach than I agree. Frost. It, and yeah. I think it. I think it's. I think it's totally night agree. and day difference. I mean, if like <clears throat> this is morbid, but if uh, the Ferences had a horrible Thanksgiving and they all got sick and it expired, and uh, the, the Gary Barta comes out and says, "Well, we've narrowed our list down to PJ Fleck and uh, and Scott Frost." There's not a chance in the world that I would ever take Scott Frost. Like PJ Fleck has a terrible offensive coordinator. He's still a good coach. Yeah, yeah. D- despite all of his gimmicks, well. So I mentioned Jeff Brom there, and the spoiler makers again took down Sparty this weekend. Uh, another top five upset for them this past week. That's their second of the year. They a puts them into bowl into a bowl game. That's their sixth win on the season. 
and they were able to do it with a variety of ways. But coach, uh, you sent me one of their one of I think your favorite plays from the game, which was the flea flicker screen. I believe is what they called it, which yeah. was like a weird flea <clears throat> flicker reverse screen. Um, what do you see out of Jeff Brom's offense in general in, that that you like? They're just explosive. They're vertical downfield. They, I mean, they just. He just has a knack for finding ways to attack the defense and keeping them off balance and, and making them putting guys on islands and, and, and giving guys advantages in space. And, and I think he's done a tremendous job with that, especially especially in the biggest games of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw uh, him, do, him do it to Iowa. We saw him do it to Michigan State. Play design, like you know, like that one I sent you with the uh, mm-hmm. the double reverse flea flicker screen where. He had a convoy of offensive linemen. He had more blockers than he knew what to do with. Yeah, I mean, there was offensive linemen looking around going, is there supposed to be anybody out here to hit? He had like five offensive linemen for like two guys mm-hmm. to block. Yep, so. and that's how Kentucky should have fared on their screen when they had it second and goal a few weeks ago mm-hmm. to get within a score of Georgia going into halftime. Instead, N'Kobe Dean... You know, undercuts all three, undercuts all three blockers and hits it for no gain. So, um, but uh, just play design for for the most part. I mean, Jeff Brom has been very masterful at that. I, I think a lot of some some of the problems he runs into is, you know, when you have those talent those talent gaps. Sometimes it goes in your favor when they play above their head, but sometimes when they don't play that jacked up, it doesn't always go like it should. Um. So he gets his teams up for big games um, and unfortunately can't be consistent enough to win the games that he should win, like the Nebraskas and the stuff like that. Josh? Yeah, I mean, look, I think, you know, hats off to Purdue for winning this game. I think for Michigan State's perspective, they were atrocious last year and they had a million transfer portal guys. I think they had the most transfers coming in of any school in the country. And yeah. And obviously Kenneth Walker gets all the love and attention as he should. But I think any Michigan state fan uh, worth their salt, uh, who's not blinded by some, uh, green and white glasses would tell you we just wanted a bowl game this year. So starting out undefeated, beating Michigan, getting into the top four of the CFP was all like house money gravy. Like they're ahead of schedule for their rebuild. Um, So awesome win for Purdue to get to their bowl game, but um, it's not like Purdue up, set the 85 bears in this game. I mean, I think most Michigan State fans were expecting two to three losses by this point in the year. Yeah. And you know what? And for them, so like they can still make it to the playoff. They've still got Ohio State on the schedule. They beat Ohio State. They're going to get the Big Ten title game. Like They've still got Penn State, Ohio State, Big Ten title game. If they win those, they're going to the playoff. Yeah, without a doubt. And, so, and, Michi- and Michigan, you know, e- even if Michigan loses to Ohio State, which they most likely will, Michigan still going to be like a nine and three, ten and two teams. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, Michigan. You know, Michigan State already. I mean, at, at I mean, we're at the what three quarter pull of the season or so. Every pretty much every team has played nine games. Um, Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker is probably my coach of the year. My, my national coach of the year. Um, I mean, if not, he is on the very short list. So, yeah. No, no, I, I no, think no, so. no. Even with this, with this loss, I don't think it. Like Josh is saying, it doesn't detract for me that much from what we've seen throughout the season for this team. The, the, Look, Matt, the, this is going to sound insane, and, and feel free to laugh me off the show. But um, could. <laughs> Could you vote for Mel Tucker coach of the year for the nation? But then if Illinois wins their final two games to make a bowl game at six and six, vote for Bielema for Big Ten coach of the year? I would have zero qualms doing that whatsoever. <laughs> That's also because like my feelings towards Bert over the years have gone from, you know, tempered excitement to feeling really good about him to being angry that he left to making fun of him for being a hog and now at this point i feel like i just kind of respect him for who he is so Uh, and uh, and 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 want to show him that not not to show him i mean he has no idea who i am obviously but (laughs) he thinks about you every day (laughs) i mean if he does like i mean he has bigger issues to worry about but you know he does deserve respect as a coach and as a leader of men you know i think looking back on his departure too we got to keep in mind that barry alvarez is a legendary football coach a, Barry Alvarez is Wisconsin football. Yeah. Barry a, Alvarez is Wisconsin football in a way that almost nobody else is their school's brand of football, if you will. Like, I cannot think. Bill like, Snyder. Came. Bill Snyder. Okay, you're right. You're right. No, yeah, no, no. Bill, they're, Bill the two. Are, they're the two. But, they're the only two on the list. But what I was going to say, though, Matt, is for all that he did as a coach – his grade as an athletic director is not good. Hockey's gotten worse. Basketball got worse under his watch. Does not pay assistant coaches. Well, they got better and then they got worse, right? Because under his watch, they made two straight Final Fours. Yeah, but he didn't hire. He didn't hire uh, Bo, no. He, he didn't, didn't hire, hire Bo. Bo. His no. one hire as AD for basketball coach. Yeah. Not good. So Girls hockey is great. Uh, great. The women's volleyball I, is really good. Wrestling team is atrocious. I'm assuming Barry Alvarez has attended literally zero of those sporting events in his life. I feel like he has to like ten like one a season, like a token one. Like he goes like the first <laughs> game every season. Um. But but yeah, I mean, Brett Bielema left for a lot of different reasons, and the pay that his assistants was getting, and the support he was getting from the admin was one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. So, all right, let's move to talking about another uh, formerly undefeated team that went down for the first time this weekend. Wake Forest lost mm. an absolute mm. barn burner to mm. North Carolina over the weekend. That was 
ridiculous. They and they let it go. You know, they they absolutely had that one in hand. They were up 48-31 entering the fourth quarter. And then they just decided to stop tackling Ty Chandler. And they made a couple of really questionable play calls, I think, at, at, at a couple points there in the for, in the fourth quarter, Coach. And it, it, it wasn't the Wake Forest offense that we had become sort of accustomed to, right? And I was, A, like, I think there are sort of two stories here. One of them is, you know, obviously the big one, Wake Forest Falls. The second one, though, to me, which I think is actually a little bit more interesting, North Carolina went back to went back to the run. They were such a good running team last year. And that's what propelled them. Sam Hell was great in spots. But my biggest qualm with this team this year has been the fact that Sam Howell's throwing the ball 50 times this year. They threw the ball 26 times in this game. Ty Chandler got 22 carries. He got 213 yards on those carries. As a team, they rushed with 330. It was, that is what I feel like we were sort of a little bit more expecting from this Tar Heels team coach. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, when we looked at him this, to begin this season, I mean, you know, you get some some things in the run game going with Ty Chandler. I mean, that's, this is what, we wanted from day one, and for some reason, we didn't get it. Maybe they just hadn't gelled as an offensive line unit. Maybe the offense just hadn't kind of found its way, uh, some bad luck here and there, and they lose a couple games that really you're scratching your head about. But this is what Tennessee fans wanted from Ty Chandler when he stepped foot um, in Knoxville. Didn't quite get that level now he has his breakout game, and it's a freaking thing of beauty. And I, I just, I just watched that game in complete awe of how North Carolina just kept taking advantage of every single Wake Forest mistake. I mean, it could have been the simplest: a linebacker plays a step slow, bam, Ty Chandler to the house. You know, Sam Hartman throws a crucial pick, boom, they get points, and they just again. They kept pace with Wake Forest, and they did what Wake Forest does to other teams is they put pressure on Wake Forest to score, which Wake Forest is not used to because they're the ones that's that's been applying the pressure all season long with, hey, you better score to keep up with us. North Carolina put that pressure on Wake Forest, and Wake Forest crumbled. Sam Hartman crumbled because now everything was on his shoulders. He had to make the plays. Um, in crunch time, and he was throwing the ball in tight windows, and he couldn't do it. They couldn't hold up pass protection. They couldn't. I mean, there was a lot of things they couldn't do uh, because they were in a position that they weren't used to being in. I think uh, one of the interesting things about this game is for North Carolina, they go into it four and four. They lose this game. They are in a mighty bind for making a bowl game because their last three games are at Pitt, Wofford at NC state. So they have two road games against ranked opponents. So they would have needed to find a way to win one of those road games. So this was kind of like make or break almost. And it was at home. It was a rival and on the flip side, for Wake Forest, 
Yeah, I think they had some doubt creep in. They gave up a big lead last year against North Carolina. I think they probably lost little edge, little focus. But for the Demon Deacons, this game does not matter. It was an out of conference game. They had yeah, that. That was the weird thing, right? It's an out of conference yeah. game. It's a, it's technically a non conference loss to another ACC team, yeah. which is completely wild. Well, only the ACC could have a top 10 team with an out-of-conference loss to an ACC team. But, I mean, it gets to the ridiculousness that um, this is not a protected rivalry. So when they were out of rotation, the two schools were like, well, we want to play each other. But, uh, you know, Wake Wake is sitting pretty. They are 5-0 and in conference. They have NC State, who is... A good team, seven and two, four and one, but um, I don't know if NC State can score with Wake. They're at Clemson, who I know if not score with Wake. Yeah, yeah, I know if Wake gets going. I know Clemson has a good defense, but if Wake gets going, so, they're not keeping pace. Bye-bye. No, not at and all. then and then they have BC, and and BC's a little bit better. They got Jerkovic back, but. He still didn't look amazing. So no, he did not. You know, maybe in the finale he'll be back closer to 100%. But as of now, I would still pick Wake to win at least two of those next three games, if yeah, not that, all three of them. That, that I, feels I mean, their right offense me. is scary. Their that, offense is scary. That, that, that feels about right to me. Let's head over to the Big 12. The big news last week in the Big 12 was uh, outside of um, Pole Assassin Gate was uh, the firing of Gary Patterson, who was the assistant dean of coaches to, uh, to, to your guy, Kirk Ferentz, Josh, the second longest tenured head coach in FBS. He was summarily dismissed midseason, and the reins are handed over to uh, Jerry Kill, who, you know, despite his medical issues that he's had, which are very scary, we all know is a very talented coach. That talent came out because they took down number 12 Baylor 30 to 28. And I think that the theme of the week for TCU, Josh, was uh, unleash Chandler Morris because he went off 461 yards and two scores passing. Also had 70 yards uh, rushing on only 11 carries and a touchdown. Uh, He was, I mean, he absolutely lit it up. I mean, he put up. 531 yards by himself. So um, one of the things that TCU has been doing most of the season, most of the last few years is Gary Patterson is a defensive coach. He wants that defensive identity. He wants to be the best defense of the big 12, but his defense has been cracked. He's not, he wasn't doing anything that the Big 12 hadn't seen before. So they were scoring at will on him. So his adjustment was to make his defense look good by playing at a snail's pace on offense and trying to shorten the game, have uh, time of possession in his favor, do things that way. Which you can't do when teams no. ratchet pressure. <laughs> no. You can't do and, that. And so TCU, you look at some of their scores this season, and it's just 
mind boggling. I mean, um, against uh, mighty West Virginia, 17 points, Kansas state, 12 points. Uh, I, I mean, it's just, it hasn't been pretty. They've been stuck in the mud. They'll, you know, they scored just 27 against Texas. I mean, Iowa state had no problem blowing out Texas. Um, and so what do they do? Matt just said it. They let their best players be unleashed. Jerry kill doesn't care about stats. Jer- Jerry kills not going to be there next year. Uh, unless they just cut him loose. Yeah. Unless <laughs> he wows the new hire and he gets to stay on as like associate coach or coordinator or something. Jerry kill doesn't care one iota about, the eye test and how this team looks. So he let Chandler Morris go crazy. And what do they do? They, they put up 30 points against a good Baylor team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and coach, once again, if you guys aren't really watching TCU, you're missing out on Quentin Johnston. He went over a hundred yards for the third time. I think this TCU year. was missing out on Quentin Johnston. <laughs> I mean, he now. also had 95 against Cal. He's only played seven games this year because of injuries. But he's got 615 yards and six touchdowns. And if you watch the Oklahoma game, he single-handedly like manhandled Oklahoma dudes all over the place. He had 185 yards and three touchdowns in that one. Mm-hmm. He had 142 and another score in this one. And he's just like bigger and faster than everybody else. To me, at least eye test-wise, he is one of maybe the three or four best receivers in the country. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, this goes back to Josh's point. You know, the way TCU's been playing offensively, if you've been watching this team, then you're probably just a TCU super fan at this point because they've given you no reason to watch them uh, unless you're just a defensive aficionado. But, I mean, man, they're doing flea flickers. They're doing, like, quarterback draws. I mean, they look like Oklahoma State out there. Like, you know, they look like old Mike Leach. Uh, style offense, man. This is, I mean, it's just high flying, man. And you know, they finally, you know, this game was fun. You know, I, I, I kept, really I was. kept, I kept checking in on it. And every time I did, somebody was scoring. Somebody was, you know, what's my favorite? What's my favorite phrase? Chunk plays. Chunk plays. I mean, those were all over the place, man. It was back and forth. Like fourth quarter, tw- it was thirty twenty eight. I mean, Baylor's got a chance to to get in field goal range here and. Dude throws a pick uh, to to end the game, um, but I mean it's just it was just constant action, constant excitement. I mean the crowd was engaged the entire time. They were a factor. You know, Quinn Johnson was making big catch after big catch after big catch. He found himself wide open a lot, um, and TCU finally played up to what we thought they were, which. I mean, we thought they had a chance to be in the upper echelon of the Big 12 earlier in the season. Again, stuck in the mud. They're playing like a mediocre team. Now their style of play, they're putting a little more pressure on opposing defenses. They're a little bit more dynamic. They're a little bit more wide open. They're they're finding their playmakers. They're finding creative ways to get their playmakers the ball in, in space. Zach Evans, Quentin Johnston, uh, Chandler Morris, uh, he scored their first touchdown was on a quarterback draw which was a, which was an RPO it was, a, it was a flare screen to the back or a quarterback draw and uh, he he pulled it down and 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 trotted into the uh, to the end zone basically untouched and so 
I mean, it's just what TCU needed, man. They they've had they've always had pretty good defense. They just needed a dynamic offense mm-hmm. to uh, to go with that, and that's what they had. Remember uh, the the Boykin days uh, when they had it. That's the last time I remember them having completely explosive offense. They were in the playoff hunt. They didn't yeah. make it. They got they got kind of screwed personally. But they had a, they had a couple of good games with Kenny Hill. But like that, yeah. that, that's really about it. All right, let's head over to the SEC. Uh, two games to talk about quickly. Auburn, Texas A&M was a rock fight, and I don't want to spend too much time on this game, Coach, mm-hmm. other than to say that uh, the clock hit midnight and Bo Nix's chariot turned into a pumpkin. It did. I mean, Bo Nix played like the... He played like the Bo Nix we've come to know and it was road bow. love. It's, it's road bow. I mean, he, that's, I mean, I mean, that's how he plays on the road. I mean, that's what he does. Hostile environment. I mean, he just he gets scared. He gets spooked. and he. I mean, he just... He he just makes baffling plays like where he just stripped himself. Do you know that Texas A and M at this point has the second best uh, scoring defense in the country behind Georgia? I you know I didn't realize that. Yeah, they are they're giving up fourteen point seven points per game. Wow. Uh, I mean Georgia's giving up six point six, but you know, and actually, if you take out. Uh, pick sixes, fumbles returned, and if you don't count in like uh, scores that are not the defense's fault, Wisconsin's actually second best at like eleven point something. But they've mm-hmm. their offense has the offense has produced four touchdowns for the other team, and they've given up a, a kick return for a touchdown as well in the season. So yeah, that, that, that puts sucks. them up to like six, sixteen or seventeen points per game. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, no bueno. But um, you know, I, I think. When you look at, I mean, it's just as simple as that. Roadbow. Um, he he he's not a good bow. He, he he gets spooked. He throw. He makes baffling decisions. Throws the ball in the crowds. Fumbles. Just it just just those huge plays he gives up uh, to the to the opposing defense. I mean, they were they were trading punches early on. I thought I thought Auburn had as good of a shot I mean, as anybody in the three, first three half. Halftime. And well, then all of a sudden, the, that, that's the thing that oh, I didn't get. Bow happened. That's the thing that I didn't get. Matt is. <laughs> You know, take Bigsby, fifteen carries, sixty-nine Drunk yards. Hunter only had four carries. Yeah, you know, oh, take Bigsby. He can't. He can't load management. We we can't. Uh, yeah, in their biggest Nick's win, effect. Yeah, in the biggest, everybody panics. In the biggest win of the year, just a week ago against Ole Miss, Bigsby had twenty-three carries for one hundred and forty. They were not blown out in this game. It was three-three at halftime. It was 6-3 entering the fourth quarter. Why did you pass it 41 times? Yeah, why did they abandon the run? Idiotic. But Panic. It, was I, I it was nice of Brian Harrison to let Gus Bus have another uh, game that he called. They, I know, right? Panicked. Well, I was also going to say, like, yes, I understand that in the Auburn offensive line versus Texas defensive line battle, Texas, defensive, Texas A&M's defensive line is definitely way better. Texas A&M has... Maybe the second best defensive line in the country after Auburn's Georgia. Auburn's defensive line is atrocious. Or Auburn's offensive, offensive line is atrocious. atrocious. Yeah, they're bad. That doesn't mean you stop running the ball. That no. means you have to figure out different ways. To Actually, have like decent at running the ball. Yeah, and that's the thing. Bigsby and Hunter are one of the better one-two punches at running back in the country. Mm-hmm. They had 19 combined carries, man. What is going on there? I don't get it. I don't understand. And this was just such a classic Auburn game to me. This is just mm-hmm. such a classic Auburn game to me. And I'm not surprised that they lost 
at all. They can't wait till Bo's gone. I mean, it's it's road Bo, the Bo Nix effect. I mean, it's 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 a thing, man. It's it's the, a thing. That uh, which I guess is the 2019 high school class of of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So the ones that are are juniors now are absolutely mammoth underachievers. Mammoth underachievers. I mean, that class was headlined by Bo Nix, Graham Mertz, and Jaden Daniels. Those were, I think, the top three quarterbacks in the country in that class. Yikes. Yikes is right. Um, and was Harrison Bailey in that class? Uh, Her- or Harrison Bailey might have been a year after. Anyway, he's not quarterback yeah, in Tennessee. Yeah, Harrison Bailey was a freshman last year. It so. doesn't matter because Tennessee is putting up points. Uh, you know what happened in, in this game, Coach, at the, at the shopping bag? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, Kentucky forgot their rewards points, and so they didn't weren't <laughs> able to, uh, to to cash them in. They forgot and, their wallet. And, um, well, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the most important part of this game. I mean, we got to applaud Tennessee for their time of possession. I mean, the best way to prevent a team like Kentucky from winning is just not let them have the ball. Oh. Yeah, uh, for those of you that don't understand why this is humorous, um, Tennessee scored 45 points in 13 minutes, 52 seconds of time of possession. It's ridiculous. Kentucky lost the game despite having 612 total yards, more than 46 minutes time of possession, and even turnover battle. They had more than double the amount of first downs. I, I just, I don't, even like this game is mind-boggling to me. And also, Tennessee's offense <laughs> is like well, <laughs> legit, coach. Like, is Tennessee's offense legit? Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, if, if we look at their game log now, they I mean, vertical threat. I mean, I they mean, they were in it with Alabama. They well, damn near beat Ole Miss. They spank South Carolina. They spank Missouri. And that's the and then this whatever Kentucky. I mean, that's their last five games. I mean, even in their even in their losses to the least they put up they put up fourteen against Florida back when Florida was adequate. That was when they had Joe Milton most of the game. Yeah, and so Hendon Hooker, man, like a like I don't know why he wasn't starting from the beginning, but B like Heupel seems to have sort of like you know he found a balance. Ship. He found a balance. He found a run game um, to to supplement. What, I mean, he's been it's, – it's not, it's not a fluke. And I hate to talk so nice about Tennessee because – No. You know, um, but it, it's not a fluke. Well, because I heard – Tyon Evans, Jabari Small, that move Jabari Small put on that DB, that, that, is, that is poster time. Um, and Javante Payton coming in from Mississippi State, transferred from Mississippi State. He had a big night score on the very first play of the game, very first play from scrimmage um, on, a, on a quick screen that he took 75 yards. But, I mean, just the play designs, the play calls, the timing of it, the, the, the pace of play, um, it hasn't, for some reason, it, 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 to this point, it really hasn't affected their defense. And their defense has gotten decimated by injuries too. It hasn't really – their defense makes timely plays. Um, what what played Kentucky here, I think, was the timeliness of their bad plays, the timeliness of their turnovers, uh, and the stage of the game that they happened in. 
you know, they're 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 driving with a chance to go ahead, and Will Levis throws a freaking stupid interception. Oh my god, that was terrible. <laughs> um, that was like, terrible. Like, like that kind of thing. You know, that kind of thing happens that stalls out Kentucky. Mm-hmm. That no matter what they do, six hundred twelve yards. You know, 800, 800 first downs. It doesn't matter. You throw a pick in that situation, boom, it's game over. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So well, I'll tell you one thing I heard about the game. <laughs> What's that? I, I heard afterwards that Mark Stoops was so mad that he fired his brother, Mike. He was so mad he went <laughs> shopping at Publix. No, you guys don't remember uh, – <laughs> Um, the Lincoln Riley firing Mark Stoops like the second Bob left. No, I don't. The, that was a joke. Okay. No. Um, well, I part was, of, I was part saying, of he got so mad he went to Harris Teeter. I think, I, I think you're the I, only one that's got that one, Josh. Yeah, yeah. Josh, that was a, that, that was a, uh, I thought that was, I thought that was well known that it was a, the, it was a good attempt though. The Bob you, Stoops, I give you that. Bob Stoops made Lincoln Riley take on his brother and then like midway through his first year, Lincoln Riley fired him the second they had a bad game. Um, in all seriousness, uh, with this win, Tennessee is what's their prize? Sure they get Georgia. Is, is for sure going bowling. Josh Heupel's SEC coach of the year. I don't care what you say. Well, gotta be I, right. Uh, if Kirby runs the table, thirteen and zero. Depends on how Kentucky ends. Depends on yeah, Kirby. Yeah, yeah Kirby. Uh, but, but but here's the thing with with Tennessee. After Georgia, they have South Alabama and Vanderbilt, two out of conference games to end the season. <laughs> <laughs> two two FCS games. Um, okay, okay, South um, Alabama, one of them. In our trivia question. Okay, so <laughs> uh, quick interlude. So today, I meant to say it was Vandy. Uh, we're we're, we're he- uh, before we get to our previews. Uh, we record this on Tuesday nights. College football playoff ranking just came out. College uh, football playoff. Uh, number six, the Michigan Wolverines. Number seven, what? the Michigan State Spartans. Um, I don't know. The, I, I remind me, Josh. I think something happened about like maybe ten days ago. I feel like these teams might have played each other. Right? Do you remember that? Well, well when you have idiots, so drawing, drawing crap out of a hat. So speaking of idiots, Josh, your school, um, your athletic director, Gary Barta. Wait, wait. Gary Barta said <laughs> in reaction to this, he said, typo? at the end of the day, we thought Michigan was a better team and deserved to be ranked ahead of Michigan State. Even though they still haven't tackled Kenneth Walker? That yeah. is correct. Good job, Gary Barta. Well, at the end of the day, oh, Gary Barta is a moron. He is a moron. Just expand this damn thing and let's go. <laughs> this is a sham. Michigan? It's a sham of a mockery oh, of a sham. A shove. Speaking of Michigan, it's a they're at Penn State this week. Actually, real, real, real quick, just uh, you mentioned any other games we wanted to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, th- there was just uh, one. Uh, I picked it. I can't remember if anyone else joined me, but I know I picked it. I picked the Razorbacks. I never stopped believing. They righted the um, ship. They stop. beat, they beat Mississippi State. Got yes, their sixth win. Nice win. Their sixth win. They're bowl eligible. Oh, per- Perdudu um, gets in there. <laughs> uh, 
and now the pirate is holding tryouts for kickers. So. That, that's funny. Open tryouts on campus for any for kickers. Anyone who wants to kick. What were they like? On, what were they? Over three, I think, in that game kicking. Yeah, but it, it, in those. Well, not in the kids' defense, in the coaching staff defense. This is not an overreaction. They're now nine of seventeen as a team on field goals. It's brutal. Do they have a, uh, a who's our girl from Vanderbilt that kicked last year? Um, Sarah Fuller. I, Sarah Fuller. Yeah. Is there I, a, I, is there a Sarah Fuller at on, on uh, the Arkansas women's soccer team? No, I I like this uh, Mississippi idea. State. No, I like this idea better. Let's all go down to Starkville. We'll enroll in. Didn't Sarah Fuller at Mississippi State? <laughs> We'll enroll in a single credit course and uh, try out for a kicker. Isn't that why she? Tra- is that where she transferred to? I have no idea. Did she transfer? I thought she graduated. She was a senior. She graduated. Yeah, she grad transferred. Oh, I didn't know that. Didn't she? I'm, like that? Wasn't that the? Come she, on, man. No, no, no. She grad transferred to North Texas. I just double checked it. Okay, I thought you. I was gonna say you were all over that one. I should be. You know, you're right, Joshua. North Texas. Um, you, you and Seymour hadn't done a show in a while. It's been like a week and a half. Give me a break. We're doing another one. Like <laughs> we're doing another one tomorrow. Um, it's, it's Vanderbilt football. Do, they, you guys do, can probably, do, do you have any idea how hungry. hard it is to muster up the energy to talk probably about just, Vanderbilt football and not just want to like yell and scream things? I mean, you can probably just, just, just get Townsend on there, and he'll he'll do all the. I mean, he does all the work for, for us when we when, when, when <laughs> hey, we do he, that. He'll, he'll do all. You could probably work. do that Vanderbilt show once a year at the beginning of the season, and then a second one at the end of the season. <laughs> Ryan and I had a nice uh, Ryan and I were texting today about like Clark Lee puts on a full suit for all for every single like uh, press like press zoom interview. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically he's wasting 10 to 15 minutes every day like in the middle of practice to go leave practice put on like a full suit and then go do the zoom interview. Hey there's bigger waste of time he could be out recruiting middle of the season. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that. Dan Mullen doesn't waste time with that. Well, Todd Grantham's not wasting time with it anymore because he is g- 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 gone. My man Christian Robinson's calling the plays. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyhow, uh, we had a, Josh, I had we a need to get transition. You to- Transition. We need to get you on an Iowa show, Josh. We had you. I'm already going insane. I mean, that would just speed things up. Uh, Michigan, Penn State, Penn State, not um, you know had a, had a nice start to the year. Obviously, had they've lost three of their last four. They righted the ship against Maryland last weekend, but before that, they had lost but three in a row: Maryland. Iowa, Illinois, and the Ohio State University. Josh, any chance that they? are able to uh, take down the number six Michigan Wolverines? Well, I think there's always a chance. Uh, It helps that it's going to be in State College. Um, That's a stadium that is always filled, even at 11 a.m., and is definitely filled for what they feel is a big rivalry game against Michigan. So that certainly helps the Vegas odd makers kind of agree having the line be even for this one. Um, I think also, you know, you look at those losses and you can kind of explain them away. Well, Iowa's a road game against a really good defense and our quarterback got hurt. Illinois, we played our hurt quarterback. We thought he was ready. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. 
Illinois also maybe a little bit better than we expected, especially since that Minnesota game. And then at Ohio State, well, they acquitted themselves quite well. They only lost by nine points on the road to Ohio State. So uh, I, I think for Penn State, they feel like they're a lot better than their 6-3 and three record. Um, Michigan has, quite frankly, other than one Saturday in Madison at the lowest point of Wisconsin football this year, looked like a top 10 team. The rest of their schedule is not very good. Their best win, other than the Wisconsin game, is I think probably four and five Rutgers. I mean, it, that's about it, right? <laughs> like, so this Michigan team really hasn't played anybody. So you get a nice factor of home game, rivalry game, Penn State's now Super Bowl kind of, uh, with a Michigan team that is nice. They have some really good stuff that they do, but they also feel a little overrated. So I uh, would not be surprised mm-hmm. whatsoever for the Lions to pull this up, upset off. Yeah, I mean, literally, the Vegas has this line at even, Coach. It's a pick. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's a pick. I mean, you look at every everything. I mean, the, the lines are even. The you know the the old reliable ESPN matchup predictor, <laughs> which I laugh at every time. BPI. I, see it. <laughs> I thought it was FPI. FPI. Oh, um, football power index. Um, Michigan is a fifty four point four percent chance to win. Um, I mean, you look at the stats; they're pretty even. Both teams are even. Um, but I, I, you know, both teams have a similar, you know, Cade McNamara and Sean Clifford might as well be the same guy. Uh, Haskins and Kane are, you know, very similar, uh, in, in, in their rushing production. And, you know, they just do a lot of similar stuff. So I, I could see, I could see Penn State pulling this thing out. I could see Michigan pulling this thing out. I could see either team. I mean, nothing would surprise me here. What I think is going to happen, it's a Penn State home game. So, right? It's a Penn State home game, right? Yes, it uh-huh. is a Penn State yeah. home game. It's, um, uh, so I, no, I, I like the Nittany's. noon kickoff. Yeah, it doesn't matter of time. I, I like the Nittany's in this one. Um, you know, I just think they're going to upset it because they play well at home. Uh, I think they're going to get Noah Kane going. Sean Clifford's going to have a big game. I, I think they're going to find their mojo again. And I think Michigan is going to kind of sink back into the abyss of, you know, they're going to get hardballed. Yeah. All right. We got we got we got two games in the SEC this weekend that are notable. Mississippi State at Auburn is the first one. Both these teams coming off of a loss. Coach, which one do you think has a better chance of bouncing bouncing back? And Auburn. Right. Why is that? Auburn. Because um, it's because you get homebo next. Because you get homebo. Is, is, um, is, is that really what it boils down to? I mean, it really does. Mississippi State doesn't have a kicker. Uh, I mean, I do love Will. I do love me some Will Rogers. I do love what how explosive uh, this Mississippi State offense has become. But in some crucial situations, they're just still the youth of Mississippi State. They just still don't quite know how to handle themselves in those situations. And the fact that they can't get points when they get in the scoring zone is a concern. Um, I, I think Bigsby's going to have a big day. Um, you know, I think they're going to. I think they're going to figure out that hey, maybe we should have ran the ball more, and they're going to. Uh, and then, of course, Homebo is always always good. Um, he's uh, he played out. He plays out of his mind at home. So, uh, for that reason, you know, 
This is going to be like that Arkansas game where it's just Auburn cruising the whole way. I agree with Coach, but I will say one of the kind of intriguing things about Mississippi State this year is after their Memphis loss, they played really well in a losing effort to LSU. But then after that LSU loss, that's when they knocked off Texas A&M. Then they lost to Alabama. They come out just all cylinders firing, obliterate Vanderbilt, and then obliterate Kentucky. So um, they've responded really well after their losses this year. So, um, you know, the Pirate is what we like to say is a professional coach, right? He, he knows how to adjust these things. He's kind of, uh, in a way, what Brett Bielema does for Illinois, which is just mm-hmm. bring a competency each and every week to game prep. Yep. He's video a video breakdown. Yeah, video breakdown, getting the team ready, things like that. Like, he, he ticks all those boxes. So, Like, Bielema and, and Leach cannot be more different in terms of personality or football aesthetics. You know, like, like the style of that they play, but they're both floor raisers. And that's but exactly. they are, they have advanced simplicity in what they do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's easy to digest. Like, and they, they, have, they have clear philosophies. They, they have clear yeah. philosophies. They're not trying yeah. to do, like, that's one of my many issues with Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. I don't feel like he has a clear philosophy of what he wants to do, either offensively or defensively. Yeah, it is. Get paid a buttload of money and get fired as quickly as possible. Apparently, that's what he's trying to do. Sticking in the SEC. <laughs> Except Vanderbilt doesn't know he's there. Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Uh, Texas wait, A&M. wait, wait, wait. I thought it was Florida Sanford. It's not? No, sorry. Um, you know, Florida, Florida has a conference game scheduled at this point of the year. <laughs> uh, Texas A&M, Ole Miss. Yeah, SoCon champs, baby. And Ole Miss... The best thing about their victory over Liberty was their Twitter account, which then they deleted the all, they they deleted the good stuff, and then Lane Kiffin had to apologize. Lane Kiffin should not apologize. A, he doesn't run the Twitter account. B, it was funny, and you know you don't have you can be. Well, uh, one of my favorite lines I forget who uh, I heard it from first. You can be mean if you're funny, and that was funny. So it was okay to be a little bit mean, especially towards Hugh Freeze, because he threw that program under the bus and put them into postseason bans for a while, limited scholarships, etc. Anyhow, uh, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Texas A&M is a favorite on the road here, coach. And I think that if I'm Ole Miss, I'm still, I'm still worried on the outside that they are still trying in, in the game against Liberty. They didn't do it so much, but they're still running Matt Corral way too much. Yeah. He's still beat up. I mean, I don't know how healthy he's going to be. Um, obviously he's, you know, clear to go, but you know, what does that mean and how does that affect their run game? Well, I I think they should, you know, there's other parts of what they do that they need to tap into that doesn't involve Matt Corral running and taking a beating. I mean, you've got John Rice Plumley that can do plenty of your heavy, heavy work in in the run game. Did Uh, you guys see the videos we give John Rice Plumley of, uh, him, uh, or John Rice Plumley. Of of him having uh, to tie the tie bow ties for his fellow teammates and coaches, because <laughs> he's the only I mean, one who knows that, how to actually tie a bow tie, which is that so is perfect. the most Mississippi thing I've ever heard in my it's life. It's So Mississippi, like I feel like I feel I thought I forget if he was tying one for Lane <laughs> Kiffin or not, but he was tying them like in the locker room for other people. I was like, that is just so quintessentially Ole Miss. Yeah, 
Um, I, I think for Ole Miss, um, if they want to have a chance, a they can't be they can't be reckless like they were in the Alabama game, which I, I think that first series they came out blazing. But instead of taking three points, they 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 get a little overzealous and they go for it. And I get it; it's Alabama. You got to take your shots when you get them. But then again, you also got to take points when you get them early. So, you know, in, in this game, they're going to kind of have to to play not like overly conservative, where they're you know where they're handcuffing themselves, but not so reckless. And you know, with Matt Corral, I think they do enough good things in the run game that they don't have to run him to be successful. I think they can do a little more RPO stuff that protects him a little bit, get the ball out of his hands, let Jerry and Ely uh, go, let you know, let Drummond make some plays on the perimeter, let John Rice Plumley do some things in the slot, um, have some gadget plays for him, kind of take advantage of what what uh, AM does as, as well. But um, I mean, you know, AM as good as they are against the pass, they do have some they do have some holes in the run game that they are uh that that you can get them on. I mean, Auburn had some shots in the run game last week against AM. They just didn't take them for some reason. Ole Miss needs to take advantage of that and they need to use play action to kind of help them along and then just protect Matt Corral. And and, and I think, you know, the home environment of Vaught Hemingway Stadium and I think they'll have a little magic there with game day. Everything will be up. Uh, they just need to be, you know, controlled explosiveness offensively. Uh, bend but don't break defensively, and, and they, they'll have a good chance at, at this game. Josh, anything to add here? Not necessarily for this game, but just kind of looking ahead for AM. You know, they, they have the head to head win against Alabama, but obviously. They have two losses. So AM needs to win their last two conference games at Mississippi State, at LSU in the finale, with Prairie View sandwich in between. Uh, for Alabama, they have their off week this week with New Mexico State. But then they do end with a harder slate. They end with Arkansas, who's currently ranked, and then at Auburn for the Iron Bowl. So, uh, you know, if AM has any prayer whatsoever of stunning the uh, the football world and winning this western division uh they they gotta play that perfectly with that defense mm-hmm. um, and so that's gonna be the intriguing thing all right oklahoma baylor uh oklahoma i mean they they're they're still undefeated but they still haven't beaten anybody so Baylor has two losses, but they've actually played some decent teams on their schedule. Josh, you think Baylor is going to be able to uh, to pull off the upset here against the Sooners? I certainly think it's possible. I mean, I know that the TCU game makes everyone, you know, skeptical of Baylor, but um, Baylor kept I, pace with them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Baylor kept pace with them, but also like. For TCU, this was an emotional game. They just had their Hall of Fame coach, their greatest coach in program history, resign slash fired slash whatever the heck it they ultimately call it. So, I mean, they, they were playing with a very different energy level than Baylor, and Baylor still almost won this game. Baylor's a good team. 
they've they've won some battles. They beat a really good BYU team. They beat a really good Iowa State team. Um, and Oklahoma, I mean, you, you sort of said it, Matt. What's what's their best win on the year? Is it? They don't have one. Texas. I, I Can, does Texas qualify as a good win? Uh, so yeah, I, I, Baylor certainly not, has not a, when you're getting not when you were getting your ass handed to and you had yeah. to have a miraculous comeback to win yeah. it. No, I, I mean Baylor Baylor certainly has an opportunity to win it, and I still I, I stand by what I said at the beginning of the year. I I still believe this. Uh, I just think Oklahoma's soft. I don't think they're that. You know, it, they're Charmin soft. soft. Yeah, yeah. They're not that. They uh, they're not a team that I would trust in a down and dirty. Rivalry. I mean, their last three. I mean, we're we're gonna learn a lot about them in their last yeah. three games: Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. And uh, Oklahoma State is at Oklahoma State, and I think that's gonna be. I mean, that that game the, might be also be a pre, that game might they, we might see them back to back. We might see back to back Bedlam. Uh-huh. Because that could be uh, also the Big Big 12 title game. Well, don't forget that Iowa State loves to only play well in the months of October and November. I mean... Um, They they absolutely rocket-shipped Texas into the sun. It was... They've now won three in a row against Texas, and the uh, SEC chants were... Mwah. They, those were a delight. Oh yeah, <laughs> Chef's kiss there, absolutely. Um, I, I want to get quickly through our ACC games, Coach. Oh whoa whoa! Oh, you you want to talk Oklahoma? You want you want to talk Oklahoma? I don't get a chance to. Okay, talk some Oklahoma then. Yeah, no, I agree. They're soft um, <laughs> defensively. They they this is gonna. I mean, this you know they're gonna get involved in shootouts here from from here on out. And you know for for Dave Aranda's team, they. You know what? What worries me about Baylor is that you know this stat right here—they're 80th in the country in in pass defense, which is not ideal. Um, you know, obviously they just gave up a almost 500 yards passing to to TCU, who you know again it was an emotional win, but then again, you know it's a team that couldn't score more than 20 points all season. Um, and so Baylor's got some things to fix them, themselves. I think controlling the ball a little bit better uh, will also help them, um, even though they were keeping pace and, and scoring with TCU. I, I do think they could do a better job of controlling the ball and running with a little bit more consistency. So if they can do that, I, I think they can. I mean, I guess you could call this an upset because Oklahoma's still undefeated, but in my mind, I don't think it'd be much of an upset. I think Baylor is the better team. Their record doesn't prove it. But I do think they are the better team um, in this matchup um, because I, I think there's a toughness factor with Baylor uh, that when you watch them play, they're just gritty. Uh, and you know when they play a little bit more consistently, when they execute a little better, they're a pretty nasty team. Um, they didn't tackle well last week. They didn't, you know, that they, they busted a lot of coverages, um, and, and they just allowed themselves to not tackle well in space. Uh, last week, and TCU did a good job taking advantage of that. If they can do those things, I think they can beat Oklahoma. I also felt like 
Tristan Ebner has not been getting the ball in his hands enough. He's a guy I no. really like, especially, I mean, he's an amazing returner. I think he's one of the best returners mm-hmm. in the country, but he's been getting less and less and less carries as the season has worn on. And he's a guy that if you get him into space, he is devastating. And so I would, mm-hmm. I'm curious, A, I mean, Oklahoma will score. They will put up some points. I'm so I'm curious if they like kick away from him or if they, they actively try to avoid him there or especially if they do is Baylor going to try to find a way to get the ball in his hands a little bit more because he can they need to because uh, he can really make something happen and create some of your what's your favorite phrase coach chunk plays there you have it yeah. all right ACC there you go two big games NC State at Wake Forest is the first one we're going to talk about uh, oh Wake Forest coming off of their loss they head back home for an actual conference game against another team from the state of North Carolina that is in the ACC, North Carolina State. Uh, we've got very uh, sort of different philosophies here, Coach, uh, going after one another. This outside of, you know, obviously I will be at the, I'll be at Vandy, Kentucky game. I will watch Vanderbilt get smacked. I will be watching Wisconsin Northwestern, obviously. But I think this NC State Wake Forest game might be the most intriguing to me out of all of the rest of the games on the docket for the weekend. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I think if you know NC State can come out and play like they're capable of playing defensively, they're they're a tough matchup for for Wake Forest. But you know, honestly, the more I think about this game, Wake Forest coming off a loss, this could. Get ugly for NC State because you know the the, the Deeks are they're explosive and and they can they can put a lot of points on you quickly and yeah I, I just think it's you know again I I don't know um, you know you have Perry and Roberson the best one two punch of the wide receiver position mm-hmm. um, yeah you know they're they're both they're both going to go over a thousand uh, this year. Uh, they're both right. They're both right at the same deal. Sam Hartman has just really grown as a passer. Uh, the, you know, I just really love what this Wake Forest offense has done and what they've grown into. Um, each year, you've seen them get incrementally better, um, and now they're one of the most explosive teams, not only in the ACC but in the entire country. I just think it's going to be a lot to to handle for Dave Dorn and his team, um, especially a team that we all know that doesn't play very consistently they play they play good in spurts they have mental lapses um but when they're on they're really really tough yeah i mean you you mentioned roberson and perry those guys are 16th and 17th in the country in receiving yards at this point Mm -hmm. um they have 848 for roberson 845 on the year for uh for perry perry also uh third in the country in touchdowns he has 10 uh he, he has 10 touchdowns roberson has eight i mean that is i don't think you're going to find a better at least eight, when it comes to the combination of talent statistics put the whole package together that's the best one-two punch of receiver in the country exactly yeah so uh josh I'm sure with that well, I'm going to answer this by posing a question. Do you guys think that um, Miami has a good offense? I think with Van Dyke, I think with Van Dyke, they do. Okay. They've got something. Um, statistically speaking, that's the best scoring offense that NC State has faced this year. 
even the, the, are they are they statistically better than Mississippi State? They score more points than Mississippi okay, State. Okay, I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah, Miami is at thirty second in the country with just a scotch under thirty three points per game. Alrighty. Um. So NC State really hasn't faced anybody as explosive as Wake. Um, the game is at home for Wake, which. Not a big stadium, not a big crowd, but still, I think will matter. I think this, they did a they've done a great job this season of packing that stadium and and making it an environment. So I, I just like Wake. I've liked Wake all year. So I'm gonna keep keep going with the Deeks, baby. Yeah, I you know I, I think that the I feel like the Deeks are probably the right side to be on here. I mean, I came into the season, you know, probably pumping up NC State more than anybody else around, and so. You know, I like I said, I'm just interested in this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There is one concern, though, I would have, Matt, for Wake Forest. What's that? They are missing an All-American. Jason Chappell's dad. Oh, <laughs> that is a deep cut for all you Badger basketball fans out there. Um, uh, quickly, Jason Chappell, who was like a three-year starter for Wisconsin, who was just a lumbering oaf of a center. Um, his father was a two-time All-American at Wake Forest, and in every single broadcast, without fail, they would bring up Jason Chapel's father and his uh, and his two-time being a two-time All-American at Wake Forest. You, that there was never a broadcast without mentioning Jason Chapel's dad. So, um, staying in the ACC, two more schools. Well, one school that has a crap ton of basketball history, one that has a little bit less. Uh, UNC and Pitt, coach, you get the feeling we're going to see a lot of points in this one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the over under on uh, yes, we are. on this UNC uh, on this on this UNC uh, pit game is seventy three. There was yeah, a game last week. I forget what game it was. You last week, the week before, it was a Virginia BYU game where they would have hit that over at like halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I get the feeling that we're, we're definitely going to have a track meet here. Uh, last week, you, pro- you may not have been paying attention to the Pitt versus Duke game. Uh, if, if you weren't, well, you know, I don't blame you. I mean, it's Duke. If you weren't, you probably weren't a fan of either team. Yeah, <laughs> Kenny Pickett okay. had another 400-plus yard game throwing the yeah. ball. He also he sucks. <laughs> Kenny Pickett's ridiculous. Kenny Pickett's numbers are... He's soft. I'm just kidding. Kenny Pickett's <laughs> numbers on this season are stupefying. Are absolutely stupefying. Um, he's Kenny. They're stupefying. You know what I'm saying? They. He's actually only crazy. second in his conference, though, in passing yards. And we will talk about the the, the team, the the leader in the conference when we get to our, uh, our our spread formations. But let's talk about this game very briefly, Coach. Pitt, UNC, going to be a track meet. Which team do you think comes out on top and why? First of all, DJ Ungulale is not the number one passer um, in the conference. Oh, No, um, shocking. <laughs> uh, what do I think about this track meet? I, I think you're going to see a lot of things. I mean, I think you're going to see – I mean, if you really want to see what this game is going to be like, just go back and watch that Wake Forest-UNC game, and you'll kind of see how it's going to play out. I mean, both teams are going to be explosive. Ty Chandler's going to have another big one. Sam Howell's going to have some big plays there. I mean, I think, you know, with the way North Carolina is going to attack you, I mean, they, they've, I think they've kind of found something, and they're going to put the pedal 
pedal down to the floor now and 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 really kind of just accelerate through that and you know it's going to go through ty chandler in a variety of ways and can he pick it is i think he's going to have a huge game and this is going to be a classic quarterback duel i mean nfl scouts are going to be all over this game uh kenny pickett's playing his way into the first round i'm looking at him for my dynasty team now thanks uh thanks to some of these games so um you know i'm i'm uh i'm looking forward to this one actually um and, and you know i can't wait to kind of keep my eyes on it and see kind of what what's uh what's going on with it yeah you know i i was worried after the miami loss that pittsburgh was a, a team that just was not going to deal with success well and was going to you know stumble and bumble and, and trip over their own feet and somehow not win this wide open coastal division that they seemingly had a stranglehold on going into that Miami game. But then, you know, the loss happened while they were right back firing on all cylinders against Duke. You look at Pitt's schedule this year and some games that we didn't think too highly of have suddenly become nice, solid wins. Tennessee is going to be a bowling team from the SEC. Uh, Clemson has very quietly moved to six and three, five and two. Um, they won both of those games. And on the flip side, Miami, when they were two and four, this thing was, was going off the rails. Miami's found their quarterback. They've won three in a row. And of their four losses, one of them is Alabama and one of them is, M- is Michigan state. Another loss was against bull bound Virginia. Miami's schedule was hellacious. We just didn't realize it at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think Pitt's a really, really, really quality team. North Carolina just too uneven with what kind of performances you get. Um, I think Pitt's the more of a sure thing. But since it's the ACC, it's the ACC Coastal, uh, that means not a whole heck of a lot. All right. Well, uh, let's then go quickly through our spread formations. Not a banner week for us last week. Coach and I went two and three. Josh went one and four. I'm going to leave. We all were on the right <laughs> side of matter. Kansas State, Kansas. No surprise there. <laughs> Coach and I had Wisconsin covering yes. that 12 points against Rutgers. They won by 49 points. But we all had Wake Forest uh, covering against North Carolina. North Carolina just got us there. It was minus two and a half. In uh, North Carolina, one by three. We all had Iowa minus twelve. They won by five. <laughs> um, we all had Georgia minus thirty-eight. Georgia won. Should have lost th- that game. Georgia won by thirty-seven. So we were, you know, we we were uh, at least. I mean, what is that? We were three. We were two points. We were two points or three points, I should say, from uh, all being in the black last week. For the season, coach is still in the lead, 22, 26, and two. I'm at 21, 27, and two. Josh, 19, 29, and two. Let's win some money this week. Minnesota at Iowa, minus six. Josh, I went first last week. You are up first this week. Uh, Josh, your Hawkeyes taking on the. Am I ever going to go first? Uh, fine coach you can go first this week go ahead coach went first for literally every preview we did all right josh go (laughs) actually that's not true you went first michigan penn state 
Okay, fine. Yeah. A- anyway, um, oh. it doesn't really matter. Our picks have been her- <laughs> horrible. Hopefully, you're, you're doing the exact opposite of anything we say. Um, so if we disagree, then you don't yeah. know what to do, do you? Yeah, so, it, it, I mean, here's the thing with Minnesota, Iowa. Like, Minnesota's injuries, I think, have finally started to catch up to them, um, which is good news for Iowa. Um, Iowa's former starting quarterback, Spencer Petras, um, all word was that he got uh, pretty dinged up against Wisconsin and had a, a pretty not-so-good week of practice before the Northwestern game, um, having a lot of short hop balls and the the first few series against northwestern is, is, is there something it, different from yeah previously? <laughs> well normally his arm strength is his his best attribute but uh yeah so he chunked a bunch in the dirt against northwestern they took him out uh he's not even listed on the two deep uh this week so his injury of you know his shoulder injury uh clearly messing him up um but padilla looked really good in that first half against Northwestern, moved the ball really well. He was making decisions very quick. If Iowa lets him go, they should be able to put up a lot of points. The problem is if you saw the second half, Iowa scored three points in the second half because they thought they had an insurmountable lead. And with a couple minutes left in the game, Northwestern with all three timeouts, they ran right into the line three straight plays and then punted it away and if it wasn't for northwestern having three interceptions they the were old, gonna beat us the old grunt and punt oh my god it was ridiculous northwestern could have and should have old won that stra- game old strategy <laughs> cotton yeah so Josh, uh, long story iowa. long story short i'm taking iowa coach <laughs> uh short story short i'm taking iowa here um i just think the injuries are too much for minnesota i hate it when we all agree uh-oh that's so dangerous. Take, so okay. take Minnesota. Notre Dame <laughs> at Virginia. Josh, Notre Dame five-point favorite on the road. Notre Dame top 10 team, second straight week in the CFP and the AP. Yeah, Scott Stadium, fun place. Um, you know, the, we've talked about a lot of teams where we don't know what we're getting and they've had some uneven performances. Uh, Notre Dame is not in that group. They have scored 30 points or more in all of their wins minus the Purdue game in which they were held to 27. Um, Cincinnati is the only team to give them fits this year. Virginia's defense is no Cincinnati. Um, The Hoos are awesome. Brennan Armstrong's really fun, but Notre Dame's just on a different level. They're going to cover. All right. Coach. Yeah, this is a very motivated Notre Dame team. Um, normally, I would take Virginia uh, in this scenario just because I want to, but I'm not going to because my record needs to improve, and uh, you know, I might actually bet on this for all of us. Well, I, I might take- actually use. I might actually use BetOnline.ag. I am taking Brennan. I am taking Brennan Armstrong and the Who's here. Ooh. Brennan Armstrong is the nation's leader in total offense. He is second in the country in passing yards per game. Uh, at 395.2, nation's leader in total yards per game, 425.3 yards per game. He is an animal. And I, you know, Kyle Hamilton's been a little nicked up for Notre Dame this year. And I think that even if they don't pull off the upset, 
I still feel like they could uh, lose by field goal, and I'm still gonna I'm still gonna collect here. So, give me Virginia. Next, Washington State is at Oregon. Washington State still technically has the uh, has their own de- destiny in their own hands. Uh, if, if they win out, they will represent the Pac-12 North in the title game. Nonetheless, they are 13.5-point dogs at Oregon, who are now ranked number three in the CFP. Joshua. Well, Oregon's ranked that high based on one Saturday in which everything clicked for them in Columbus. Uh, They've been playing with fire. They are coming off of a 10-point win against the powerhouse that is Washington. They only have three blowouts this season. Stony Brook, Arizona, and Colorado. They would not cover this two-touchdown spread against any of their other opponents, which includes Cal, which includes UCLA, which includes the aforementioned Huskies. They might not win, but I think Wazoo covers. Coach? Um, I think Oregon covers here. Um, I just think Wazoo's not very good. Um, and, and I heard that Negrolovich is coming back. So, uh, Washington State is playing without a team that has anything to lose because they don't have anything to lose. And I mean, what, Wazoo don't they have like six coaches? Wazoo blew out Arizona State last time they played. Yeah, they, yeah, Wazoo's like, I think Wazoo's rallying around the fact that they ain't Oregon. Arizona State's not Oregon. I mean, I don't know. They I almost beat BYU. They're going to keep it within 14 points. I think Wazoo's <laughs> absolutely going to keep it within 14 points. <sighs> I'm taking Wazoo and the points here as Tip- well. Thibodeau's going to go off. Uh, <laughs> it, here's a here's a bold. He might uh, actually kill it, somebody. <laughs> Literally. Here's a here's a bold uh, on the field. Bold idea. If Washington State wins this one. Do you pull the interim tag off Jake Dickert and just get it done? I think so. If they yeah, win, I might, I might just do it anyway. Even if they lose, keep it cl- like I like him as a coach. So, uh, Georgia, Tennessee, Georgia, 20 and a half point favorite on the road at Neyland Stadium. Josh, uh, 20 and a half points. It's kind of a lot, but I mean, Georgia gives up six and a half a game. So, <laughs> well, the Georgia defense is mighty, mighty scary. But they've they've not really played many offensive teams that that scare me too much. I, I think Georgia wins. Wouldn't surprise me if Georgia wins big, but it's on the road. Tennessee's offense has been awesome. I'm going to say the Volunteers give them a little scare, hang around just long enough to cover. But but it still might be like a 17-point loss when it's all said and done. So give me uh, old Rocky Top. Coach? For the sake that I haven't picked against Georgia all year, I'm going to pick Georgia to win by 21 points. But this one scares the hell out of me, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. It scares the hell out of me, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my guns here. I'm I'm going I'm going dogs because essentially they've covered just about every game this year. 
I'm going to go the dogs, good thing, too. So. The good thing for Georgia is uh, <laughs> they could lose out and still make the SEC title game. Well, yeah, they, they've, yeah. <laughs> they, cl- they clinched before they last weekend's out. games. <laughs> no. They clinched like two weeks ago. It, it, it's ridiculous. So doesn't matter. I still think Georgia wins by... I still think Georgia wins by three touchdowns. So, finally, time for the Kansas line of the week. Kansas oh, is these games have been killing me in Austin. Uh, Texas is a thirty and a half point favorite at home. No word if there will be a uh, a, a a small ape on the sideline, um, <laughs> or a small monkey on the sideline. Will, I should say there will be. So, um, anyhow, uh, Josh. How are we feeling? Okay, so just as, you know, Kansas showed some spirit against South Dakota, and so I picked them against Coastal, and then I, I abandon them, leave them. What do they do? They then start to show a little bit of spirit against Oklahoma. So then I'm like, okay, well, then I'll take them against Oklahoma State, and didn't work. And then I went with Kansas State, and that paid off because it's it's – Kansas, Kansas State, and, and State just owns that rivalry now as of late. Um, the bottom line is Texas needs a blowout. Sark needs to feel good. The fans need to feel good. They need to feel uh, like Texas is, well, not back, but like they need to get back to 500. They need to feel good about themselves. My concern is Texas scoring 30 points is – a little bit of a, a, a reach for them. They've only hit 30 points this season against Louisiana, Rice, Texas Tech, and TCU. Two of those teams have had a coaching change. And then Oklahoma in that crazy shootout, but obviously the second half things didn't go very well for them. So I don't know what to make of this Texas team, but Kansas has burned me too many times. I'm going to take the Longhorns and hate every minute of this game. And this pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Texas too, Josh. Just so I can see you hate every minute of this game <laughs> in this pick. Uh, they're due. Uh, in all seriousness, they're 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 due for something. I, I think if they want to have a chance at maybe seeing some progress and some light at the end of the tunnel and kind of shaking off the rest of that Tom Herman funk that they have, um, this is a game that they you know, they come out and play well and cover. All right. Well, uh, I'm also going to take Texas. Uh, any final words? I have one question for you, Matt. I'm listening. Okay. So UCLA started out amazing. They did. Got ranked. Everyone mm-hmm. was feeling them. Mm-hmm. I was kind of the one say and tap the brakes maybe a little bit yes you were and they've come back to earth they have quite a bit you can say that again they've lost two in a row mm-hmm. didn't look good against arizona or washington nope they're hosting colorado colorado who's been downright stinky this year that is correct but colorado's just coming off of a huge win oregon state in overtime if this upset happens and UCLA slides all the way to five and five. Is there 
any reason to keep Chip Kelly. Yes. So he'll still survive, you think? I think so. Because I, I, I still think they'll beat Cal in the final week and go to a bowl game. And I think you get. I, I think I think you get to a bowl game this year. They'll give him one more season. Interesting. Okay. All right. Just so. want to take the temperature mm-hmm. of uh, of your Bruins and you and, and USC's falling apart. So, I mean, they could falling apart. <laughs> huh. Um. I mean, they could win out. They, they, there's a very real scenario in which they win out and finish eight and four in the regular season and go to a decent bowl game. So, I'm not. I'm 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 not off. I'm not off the Chip Kelly bandwagon yet. Uh, what'd you guys think of the Texas Tech hire? I, I was like, "What?" No, that's who I thought. <laughs> no, that's who I thought they were going to hire. Honestly, um, I, I, from, I saw from it was the like, stuff that I was reading. I was uh, that was. I mean, I thought re- they were late. I thought they were late to the party, just introducing their interim coach. <laughs> no, I was. Reading, I, I, saw, was reading some, I, I was reading our guy Mike Farrell, coach, and he that was his pick for. Uh, for yeah, for I wasn't reading anything about Texas Tech. <laughs> so. When I saw when I saw Baylor like on the scroll, I was like, I was like. Uh, Art Bryles? What? What are they doing? <laughs> are they, like, what, what is, are they going that route? <laughs> no. So I mean, he's been his backstory. His backstory is actually uh, no. It, when it, when, it when you read really about crazy. this guy, it's an, yeah. It, it's an, I, I like him. Uh, I just don't know anything about him. I was surprised. I, I, I found myself saying, "What? <laughs> who, who is this guy?" Uh, but we, you know, we I mean, like he's a, a he is a legendary high school coach in Texas. Yeah, like a legendary high school coach in Texas. And yeah, I think I think he has a defensive background, good. which is which is different from what we usually see at Texas Tech. So yeah, I mean, shit. I mean, anything can be better than Matt Wells at this point. And I think that, that was, the other the, the that other thing, the other thing that he has he has going for him is I think that because he has that he has the respect amongst the high school coaches. In the state, mm-hmm. he should. The, the, I think the recruiting will pick up. It should. I mean, it can only get. It can only go up. Yeah, it's true. It can only go up. So, all right. Anything else, I, gentlemen? Well, we buried the lead on UTSA. Uh, our lovable Roadrunners, thirty-three point favorites against the one and eight, zero and five Southern Miss Eagles. Must this should be. Yeah, are, this should. Should be a romp in the they've Alamo gone from, uh, they, they, They've gone from gray poupon to uh, yellow mustard packets that you get <laughs> at the gas station. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Roadrunner right. should win this one easily. Me, and me. then lastly, just hot off the presses, Mac and Maction game tonight. Uh, the Shark Humper, Western Michigan, bowling. They won 45-40 over Akron. They're 6-4 and four now. He's, I, I thought the Shark Humper was at Central. Oh, he is. <laughs> who's who's Western's coach? <laughs> Who is Western Michigan's coach? Um, God, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Western Michigan's uh, Tim Lester. Tim Lester. Well, you know what? In honor of going to a bowl game, Tim Lester, I hope you go to the Bahamas Bowl and hump a shark. <laughs> yeah, he probably humped a shark too, so it's okay. <laughs> On that lovely note and lovely image that I now have Tim, in my head, Tim Lester's like Tim Lester's going to call us and be like, well, "I ain't hump no shark." <laughs> on that note, it's time for us to wrap it up here. 
today on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Quite frankly, I have humped no sharks. So, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is the Professor Emeritus in the Music City saying so long, and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.